Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, this is Dan Spoon, President of the American Council of the Blind. I just want to give a big hip, hip, hooray out there to our tremendous membership that does such a great job. As older adults with vision loss, we understand your fears, your frustrations, and feelings of isolation. The Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss is here to help you as you pursue the independent lifestyle you deserve. For more information, visit www.aavl-blind-seniors.org or call 916-995-3967 for more information. AAVL, a supporter of the ACB Media Network. Join me, Brian McCallan, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview blind newsmakers to inspire the population to go for their dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media One. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Helio and BMC ophthalmology say that patients with severe blindness and visual impairment admitted to American hospitals in 2017 had greater resource utilization and worse clinical outcomes than other patients. Why did this happen and what can we do about it? Study contributor Dr. Che Matthew Harris from the John Hopkins School of Medicine is here to talk about the solutions to the issue and how our listeners might speak out to get the care they need and deserve. Welcome to the show, Dr. Harris. Hi, thank you, Brian. Thank you for the invite. I really appreciate that. Glad you're here. Tell us about yourself. Yes, I am an internal medicine doctor. I'm specifically a hospitalist. So hospitalists are doctors who take care of patients who are in the hospital. And I'm an assistant professor of medicine at Johns Hopkins Bayview Medical Center in Baltimore, Maryland. And when I'm not seeing patients, I spend the rest of my time carrying out clinical research. And my research focus is on utilization of large database studies and healthcare disparities. And I'm looking to work on interventions to improve these uh, outcomes and disparities. So Dr. Harris, how did you learn that patients with blindness or severe vision impairment admitted to U.S. hospitals in 2017 had greater resource utilization and worse clinical outcomes than other patients? Uh, well, that's a great question. So I'm, I, my co- author for this work is Dr. Scott Wright. And we um, noticed that there was an increase from what I perceived as a hospitalist, seeing patients um, with vision impairment or or blindness hospitalized under my care. And we wanted to see if this was also on a broader level, if, if more patients nationally in general um, were hospitalized with severe vision impairment or blindness. And so we looked at a large database called the National Inpatient Sample to determine if our suspicion was accurate. And with that, we looked at outcomes compared to patients without a diagnosis of severe vision impairment or blindness and just compared the two groups together. So how do you define greater resource utilization? So for this study, we looked at 
length of stay in the hospital. So the longer patients stay in the hospital, the more they require resource resources from, of course, the, their bed use and medications and care from the nurses and doctors. So we used length of stay in the hospital uh, defined as number of days in the hospital as an indicator of utilization. All right. So when you mean other patients, you mean the sighted patients, right? That's a great question. So patients who are hospitalized, we look at uh, ICD codes, uh, ICD-10 codes specifically. And from that information, we're able to determine if a patient has a diagnosis for severe vision impairment or blindness and multiple other conditions uh, aside from these. And so we looked specifically at severe vision impairment and blindness, and we compared these patients to those who didn't have that diagnostic code. So this could be patients with normal vision, regular sight, or it could be patients with moderate uh, severe vision, moderate vision impairment or mild vision impairment. I see. So as the rates for the blind and visually impaired individuals increase with the aging population, what are the inpatient doctors and nurses going to encounter and what are they going to be expected to do? So definitely we're going to, we're going to see, we're expecting to see more patients um, with the condition and we're going to, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping what we're going to be able to do is work on screening patients more effectively who have a vision impairment um, and also um, to prepare early as a result of that, because if we know early during the hospitalization, if a patient is severely uh, vision impaired or if they're blind, then we know we should be cognizant of potential poor outcomes, such as longer hospital stays, less likelihood to be discharged to home, and possibly um, increased um, uh, mortality in the hospital. So we want to work on doing what we can to jump on the ball early so we can address uh, these poor outcomes to help improve that. Dr. Harris, to better understand resource and clinical utilization in visually impaired and blind patients, you and your colleague, Dr. Scott Mitchell-Wright, conducted the special study. Tell us about how you performed your study in, data, in the uh, database you used. Oh, so we used the National Inpatient Sample Database. This is a database that is publicly available. Um, it's a, a part of the HCUP, or Healthcare Utilization Project. And it's sponsored by the agency uh, for health, healthcare quality and, and research. And um, from this database, the National Inpatient Sample, we were able to extract patients, to select patients who had a diagnosis for either severe vision impairments or blindness and combine this group. And we could look at their characteristics, such as their age, um, and their sex and uh, their length of stay and outcomes uh, during their hospital stay. So you used a 2017 National Inpatient uh, inpatient Sample Database. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit more about that database, Dr. Harris. Yeah, so this is an inpatient database. So it specifically targets patients who are hospitalized, only patients who are hospitalized, and from this database, we're able to follow specific outcomes, such as mortality outcomes, patients who pass away in the hospital during their hospital stay, patients who um, 
stay longer than other patient populations. We're able to compare that. We're able to determine where patients go after discharge, if they go directly home or if they go to a nursing home after the hospitalization or to hospice or, or a different destination. And we're able to determine how much in charges, hospital charges uh, have uh, incurred as a result of their, their, as their hospital stay. Um, there's some limitations to the database and that it, it can't determine specific medications given. Um, we can't determine lab studies done and the specific fine details of the hospital hospitalization, but it does tell us a lot otherwise. So I see how that works. Why don't you go over some of the results? Yes. Uh, uh, so for our patients, we selected with severe vision impairment or blindness. We isolated roughly about 40,000 individuals um, with this condition. And we found that compared to patients who don't have severe vision impairment or blindness, that our group of interest uh, had where they were older they were more likely to be male. They had more comorbidities. When I say comorbidities, uh, they had uh, more medical conditions such as diabetes or hypertension compared to patients without uh, a diagnosis of severe vision impairment or, or blindness. Um, and from that, we compared, we were able to compare length of stay. We found that patients with severe vision impairment or blindness stayed longer in the hospital compared to those without the diagnoses. And uh, the higher inpatient mortality or likelihood of passing away in the hospital and less likelihood of being discharged directly to home following the hospitalization. So these patients could have gone to rehab after discharge of a rehab facility or a nursing home, for example. How about the results for the blind and visually impaired who weren't obese? Oh, this is very oh, overweight. Yes, yes. So for the patients, we also did a sub-analysis for patients who were obese compared to those who weren't obese. And we looked at this because obesity is a known risk factor for diabetic retinopathy, macular degeneration, and glaucoma. Um, but we didn't see anything in the literature that looked at specific outcomes in these patients when they're hospitalized. So what we found was that patients who had obesity in addition to severe vision impairment or blindness compared to those patients who did not have this condition, we found that our patient of population of study of interest had um, higher hospital charges. So the hospitalization um, cost more for these patients. And that's similar to additional studies uh, with patients with endo, uh, with obesity, such as patients with endocarditis and obesity compared to uh, not their non-obese counterparts. Well, I guess the results prove that severely visually impaired patients have a higher resource utilization and worse clinical outcomes when they're hospitalized compared to the site. How should healthcare providers help solve this problem? Yeah, that's a great point. So this is, um, so our study does suggest, highly suggest that patients with severe vision impairment and blindness, they, they, they may have poorer outcomes. I think additional studies are needed to support our findings and to build on our findings to see if, 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 uh, other results uh, find similar uh, results. And um, from there, I think what we can do is determine next steps as far as intervention. And I think healthcare workers uh, can intervene by screening our patients, um, educating our patients about, uh, 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 about their, their risk once they are screened positive for uh, severe vision impairment or if they're blind. 
Um, I think there's also an, a pretty cool YouTube video I, I saw online um, uh, with uh, Carrie on Pablo. It was public. It looks as if it was posted roughly three years ago, but it goes over tips in the hospitalization as far as what patients can do, as far as what they can do to help um, address and uh, improve their safety in the hospital. Um, so I, I think communication is key um, with the providers, making sure they know their medications, making and also the providers making sure they know the patient's medications there in their hospital, um, their hospital course, and what led up to the hospitalization. Could you talk about some of your subjects in the study, if that's okay? Just just give just to give some examples of how they were hospitalized. Uh, so yeah, so the National Inpatient Sample Database. Um, it has patients who are de-identified, which means that we don't know exactly who the patients are because for HIPAA reasons and um, for privacy purposes, they don't want to reveal specifics of the patient. So it's hard to tell exactly why the patient was hospitalized or why a specific, specific individual was hospitalized. Um, there are other studies that do suggest that um, they are the patients with vision impairment or blindness are, are hospitalized for common reasons that patients without the condition are, are, are hospitalized, such as sepsis or heart failure and, and pneumonia. And they all must be uh, must be in the elderly population. Yes, we found that most of our patients were in their their mid sixties on average. So yes, our older population. Had... Now, what about people in their? Um... Teens, twenties, thirties, forties, up to about middle age. Uh, that's a great question because we selected patients who were eighteen years of age and older in the study. Mm-hmm. Um, so the average age was roughly in the sixties, but we selected all of those patients eighteen years of age and older. So we believe that also encompasses that because we adjusted for age, which means to say, let's say we took age out of the equation in the statistics model. So we take age out of the equation and still look at the outcomes. We found that patients with severe vision impairment or blindness, despite their age, still had worse outcomes uh, compared to patients without uh, severe vision impairment or blindness. Do do you think also that um, better diet and exercise among the patients could help solve some of these problems? That's a great, great question. Um, so from this national inpatient sample database, this is an observational study. So we don't exactly know why we see the results we see as far as worse outcomes while the patients are hospitalized. Um, that said, we, it's future studies will need to look at exactly why. So it could be that our patients with severe vision impairment or blindness come into the hospital and they may be sicker. Um, that could be a possibility. They may have diabetes that's poorly controlled to those with, without uh, vision issues or with, with less severe vision issues um, or, or blood pressure um, issues. So I think um, it depends, and I think it really depends on, uh, on um, what additional studies show. But, yes, I, I think diet and exercise – and uh, eating healthy, I think that definitely will help overall in general with, with great health and preventing, helping to prevent hospitalizations as you're taking care of yourself and, and taking your medications. Um, if you are on any, I think 
that definitely helps. But specifically why the patients come in, we don't know just just yet. You don't have the answer to that. Okay. Um, have there been any uh, future studies um, conducted on this in this topic at all since 2017? Um, are they still I, being worked on? There, there. I know that there's another study that looked at readmissions in patients who had uh, severe vision impairment or blindness. Back, as far as the patient, coming back to the hospital. Yes, yes. Once they're discharged, and then the patients are rehospitalized. Unfortunately. Um, and these patients who were rehospitalized looks to come back with conditions such as pneumonia and um and it looks like at least that's what the suspicion is it could have been like a sepsis so we don't really know um specifically the factors that lead up to these rehospitalizations um after discharge could it be that there's some confusion in medications or um Maybe the patients aren't, aren't taking their medicine, medicines as, as appropriately as they, they should or could or they need help with that. Or if there's any other factor, um, but I think this needs definitely further investigation. The readmissions refer to people who had, say they had a bad cold and then they came back and had pneumonia, really bad pneumonia, right? Yeah, so let's say the patient was hospitalized. Let's say they were hospitalized for a cold that was just so bad that they had to be hospitalized or something else was going on that prompted a hospitalization. And then after the hospitalization, they're discharged to home. And then after they're discharged to home, they, they have to come back because of a pneumonia and they're asked to rehospitalize. Yes, that, so that, you're exactly right. I see. Um, so how might our listeners who are visually impaired or blind actors speak out on the information here to improve the situation. Yeah, I I think like effective communication with the providers when they come into the hospital and definitely knowing what medical conditions you have, what medicines you're on, why are medication changes um, made in the hospitalization and why are medication changes recommended on discharge from the hospital, making sure you know your medicines, why medicines are being modified. Um, I think that's a great, a good thing. And also communicating with the staff and letting them know your, your needs in the hospital. If there are any issues as far as what's around the room and making sure it's a safe environment in the hospital, I think that's a, that's a very key as well. Now, how about the doctor's interaction with patients? How should they improve their interaction with blind and visually impaired patients, I think when I think I think that's a that's a fantastic question. One of the things I think is that the doctors have to be aware that when you're when we're taking care of patients who are who have a diagnosis for severe vision impairment or blindness, or or we're concerned that they screen positive for for uh, the conditions that we are aware that they have they may have a poor outcome compared to patients without. The condition. So us being aware of this and knowing that they are at risk for longer hospital stays, they are at risk for not going directly home after discharge or maybe at risk for passing away if um, we're not um, uh, uh, effectively um, uh, managing the patient or if, if, or if the patient may just come into ill, um, we have to know they're at risk and know that we have to intervene a lot earlier and more aggressively, I think, compared to patients without uh, this condition. All of that makes sense. And I agree that the doctors and nurses 
should, you know, have that protocol in place to help improve their work with blind and visually impaired patients so that they feel welcome to the hospital because the hospital can be a scary place. Yes, uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes, but but definitely a helping place in the end. Doctor, so um, have any other people uh, collaborated with you um, on these studies and responded to uh, this study you've done? So I've collaborated. Of of course, of course, I work with Doctor Scott Wright. That's right. Um, He's been an amazing um, mentor and uh, actually and and helping with with the study. Um, So other future studies, I think, will have to target exactly why this happens because with the studies we do with this national inpatient sample it can just show that this happened it doesn't really show tell us why so i think future studies will have to target as to why this happens why do our patients with severe vision impairment and blindness have worse outcomes and what can we do to counteract that how can we combat that okay all of this makes sense dr harris is there anything else you'd like to add oh no i think this is an amazing opportunity and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak so I can get the word out and um, it, I think uh, this is something that we have to recognize as extremely important to improve the outcome and care of our patients with severe vision impairment and blindness. Dr. Harris, thank you so much for the study and speaking out. We hope that it influences hospital-based healthcare providers to determine ways to better provide care for the blind and visually impaired in the not-too-distant future. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under lists of episodes and show news tab. And my show archive is at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out with the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out. California. Florida. Iowa. Texas. Guide dog users. Students. IT professionals. Government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention. And operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. You are listening to ACB Media One, also known as Mainstream, the flagship of the ACB Media Network. The ACB Media Network is a service of the American Council of the Blind. Please visit us at acbradio.org.